Bam 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 Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. This is Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less. Yeah. The dulcet tones that you are hearing belong to none other than myself, <laughs> Misty Stinnett, and that adorable giggle belongs to Lisa Linky. Hey. This is the podcast where we read and review popular self-help books, and we give you the tips, the tricks, the ups, the downs, the critical thinking, and the whooshing on by of problematic uh, <laughs> literature. And we also, but that's not every episode. No. We have thought-provoking questions. Yes. We have authors on. We have guests. Yes. We read articles. We giggle. Speak for yourself. Okay. And we are basically on a quest to explore anything and everything to do with self-help. You're on a quest and I'm just being drug along. That's true. And my arms are getting tired, but you're being such a good sport. Thank you. Um, we are almost, we're getting up there. We're like episodes. Uh, you, how dare you? I, I meant in episode oh, numbers. Yes, we are. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Like 280, <gasps> something like that. Oh my God. I know it's wild. Insane. It is. It's insane. You'd think we'd be really good at it by now. Well, let's try and see how we do. Let's see how this one goes. Uh, so today, Lisa, yeah. you are coming in hot with a book review. I am. I hope I live up to coming in hot because all of a sudden I'm like, oh. So relaxed. Yeah. Listen, you and I talked about this this morning in the backyard. Um that and for those of you who don't know, welcome. We now cohabit. Um, yeah, cohabitate. We right. We share a house. We live together. Yeah, but yeah. not like we don't live together. Like we just both happen to live at the same address. That's right. As I've felt the need to specify multiple times, chicken. By the way, our dogs are on the couch with us, and she chicken is down. absolutely she, yeah. tangled in this. Do you want to get off? No. No. Okay. Um, so we talked about this as you were sunning yourself uh, this morning, getting some vitamin D. God, that paints such a bougie picture. I was like sleepily standing outside <laughs> trying to get sunlight in my eyes. And squinting. That's right. Um, but uh, in preparation, it's been a while since we've done a book. That's right. And I felt really rusty kind yeah. of when I started, but then all the repetitions kicked in and I felt like I'm able to kind of bring this and pull this together for you I'm today. really excited. And this is our first recorded book review in years. And it's not just audio, it's video. That's video. You're welcome. That's right. Um, so oh, and if you want to see the clips, just follow us at Go Help Yourself Podcast. That's where we're, we're clipping them. Nope. On Instagram? I loved that. Clip. That's where we're clipping them. We clip them. Uh, everybody... I'm bringing a book that you probably have never heard of. <laughs> Love it. So much for some um, beautiful, best you know, bestsellers. But yeah. this has been recommended to me by several people, including mm -hmm. my brother. And it actually has a lot of clinical studies to back it up. Great. Which we love. We love. Um, this is Smart with Dr. Sood. Oh, well played to the camera. Thank you. S-O-O-D, Dr. Sood. Misty did help me because I was saying snood, which I think is she the hairnet like, that gathers Dr. your snood. hair. That's right. Um, his name is Amit Sood, and it's, it's the four-module stress management and resilience training program. It was released in 2019. It's $16.99 pay 
paperback on bookshop.org and Amazon, uh-huh. although we recommend Bookshop. Uh-huh. And it is $9.99 Kindle version on Amazon. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to tell you a little bit Sounds about- Sounds like I can afford this kind of stress management. Thank you. I can tell you about a little bit about Dr. Sood. Okay. Dr. Sood serves as the executive director of the Global Center for Resiliency and Wellbeing and the GRIT Institute, G-R-I-T. I did not look up what that acronym means. Great, really intense therapy. That's it. (laughs) Um, He is the creator of the Mayo Clinic Resilient Mind Program and is a former professor of medicine, chair of the Mind Body Medicine Initiative, and director of student life and wellness at Mayo Clinic. Hmm. He developed an innovative approach towards mind body medicine by incorporating concepts from neuroscience, evolutionary biology, resilience, mindfulness, psychology, philosophy, and spirituality. His resulting program, Stress Management and Resiliency Training, or SMART, which is copywritten, uh, all caps, helps patients learn (laughs) skills to decrease stress and enhance resiliency by improving self-awareness, engagement, and emotional resilience. Interventions adapted from the program reach approximately 50,000 patients and learners each year. Wow. And the program has been tested in about 30 clinical trials. Wow. It's now integrated in several hospitals and health systems for managing burnout, leadership training, and for enhancing resilience among nurses, and is offered to students and teachers. Amazing. He's co-authored and authored over 70 peer-reviewed articles and several editorials, book chapters, abstracts, and letters. And he is a highly sought-after speaker and delivered the TEDx talk, Happy Brain, How to Overcome Our Neural Predispositions to Suffering. And he's received several awards for his work, including Mayo's 2010 Distinguished Service Award, Mayo's 2010 Innovator of the Year Award, Mayo's 2013 Outstanding Physician Scientist Award, and was chosen as one of the top 20 intelligent optimists, quote, Quote, helping the world to be a better place, quote, by Ode Magazine, O-D-E. Lisa, uh-huh. he sounds really smart. Oh, boy. Now, I need you to know if you're a first-time listener, or uh, if you're a first-time listener, I was ready for her to say he sounds really dumb, because that's a bit that we do. But she double-played that, and I am so delighted. And for you longtime loyal listeners, and maybe hopefully first-time watchers, um, that was great. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. So SMART stands for, as we've said, super (laughs) managing a real technique. That's right. Stress management and resilience training program. That's what I said. Mm -hmm. So the essence of the SMART approach is four modules, gratitude, mindful presence, kindness, and a resilient mindset. Mm. And there's a hefty amount of clinical support to show that this works. There's a huge appendix of the research done on this method. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to focus on his proposal, 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 I'm going to focus on his proposal for a new version of mindfulness and then cover two modules, specifically those two core practices that he suggests in the gratitude and mindful presence modules. Great. Those are most meaningful to me and I felt most helpful. Great. Okay. So the book starts with him laying out the problem with the state of humanity, like everything seems terrible. Totally. And what the smart approach is and defining stress management, mindfulness, and resilience. Mm. I got to tell you, this man love an acronym. Okay. He loves also, which I was surprised about giving data without sourcing it or citing it, Ooh. which made me mad because he's an MD. So, so he'll say something like quote, 80% of us feel stressed at work. 60% feel discriminated. 40% feel lonely and 20% are depressed end quote. He's right. But where did he get that? And it doesn't say like, there's no like, there's no footnote, there's no nothing. And so Hmm. I'm like, I'm I'm supposed to trust you because you're a doctor, but also 
Show me the money. 47% of authors make up stats on the spot. <laughs> exactly. So it's, I'm sure it's generally accurate, but I would like the details, right? When you're asking me to change the way my brain works and be happy all the time. I'm just, I'm, I'm stuck on the fact that you didn't say details. Oh, what you know did I you, say? No, you said details mm-hmm. like a normal person. Oh, but I normally say things weird. Well, no, you say things fancy, like you're like oh. finance, finance, mm-hmm. detail, detail. Mm-hmm. Well, do detail us what he has to say. I mean, give a bitch a citation. You know what I'm yeah, saying? No, like I that's do. all I, I want. Do. Okay. You guys also for Christmas. Yeah. If everyone can um, give me a citation, send citations to Lisa. I'll text or you the address. Cite me and then upload it to my Wikipedia. Whoa. I don't have one, but let's make that happen. Okay. He also loves brains. The man is all about the brain. That's his whole life's work. Yes. But he loves them so much that he draws them terribly throughout the book. Like in illustrations? Yeah. Like brains doing things, like brains in a meeting or brains no. driving a car. I, and no. they're, I, I hope he drew them because I, I can't imagine him being presented with this and not having the guts to reject it. No, so... <laughs> I just think he's too kind. He's too. He publishes illustrations throughout his seminal work just because he's afraid to say, I think we should go back to the drawing board. Lisa is holding up a page for me. And when I tell you, that's not a brain. That's like, well, there's the brainstem. Here's here's a brain in therapy or at a meeting. The one with glasses. Yeah. So it's really bad. It's really bad. Yeah. All right. Here we go. I'm going to start on page 11, the smart approach. He says, we are shrinking two key brain areas based on the stress and everything that we're experiencing as humans in the modern day world, Mm -hmm. the prefrontal cortex and the hippocampus. At the same time, we're growing our stress center, the amygdala. And I have two thoughts. One, I was like, stem, stem, stem. I'm so excited. This is a picture of a brain I like. He points out where they are. But then I did write, my man, how did you fare in the pandy? Because... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that description of like, we're increasing our stress and decreasing all this other stuff. I was like, boy, he probably had a hard time. Um, <clears throat> you're right. So uh, I got super excited. I was like, stem, 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 stem. And then it was just the weird pictures of brains doing things like having opinions. I, I didn't. Which feels more like art. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Sort of an interdisciplinary Some art. Some it's art. stress management art. Stress management art. I did like this thing on page 16. He uses a metaphor of a person driving on a car on the road to explain his constructs for the book. So the rear view mirror shows the past. The windshield shows the future. And what's happening at the wheel is the present moment. Stress management is better handling what we see through the rear view mirror. Resilience is being prepared for what is to come and what we see through the windshield. And mindfulness is engaging in the moment on the road with a deeper presence and intentionality. Stress management is about the past because we, because it's already happened. We have to manage it. Oh, the event has already happened. Oh, Mm -hmm. I would have thought it would be the opposite where like what's happened. We can't change. So we have to have resilience about how we deal with it. And we should like looking towards the future, we should try and manage our stress about how worried we are. Right. But he's the MD. That's wrong. Who am I? (laughs) So I think what it is is because he's looking at this in a different way. It's, yeah. it's a different construct. So I agree with you. Yeah. After 
read after reading the book, I went back. I was like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. Okay. So stress, and uh, that was a direct quote from his book, but now I'm going to kind of summarize what he says. Stress is your struggle with what is, what was, or might be. Mm. There are good, bad, and ugly types of stress. Like good stress, you know, when you are, um, you have a baby, right? Bad mm. stress, uh, you are caught, uh, you, you can't get home because your flight's delayed. Right. Ugly stress is like the chronic stuff that you're, you're overloaded at work without support. You don't oh, have, boy, right? Yeah. Like yeah. It, it really does terrible things to the Yeah, physiology. you really don't like your roommate. Great. <clears throat> he defines <laughs> mindfulness as living with intentionality, kindness, and gratitude. Not just being in the moment, but he said, but freedom from the need to be in the moment. Oh, for example, he said, "Who wants to be in the moment during a root canal?" Yeah, no thanks. It's everybody's like you. Ha- is, you want to be in the moment your whole life? No, no, not no. every moment. Not every moment is good. So here's what I think is actually the most helpful thing in the book, and it's in the preamble. Stay in bed. Thank you. Uh, on page twenty, he thinks that. Present day mindfulness isn't about the idea of emptying your mind, right? Hmm. But instead, it's choosing to fill the mind with courage, hope, and inspiration, and what he calls, quote, authentic mindfulness. And he literally lays out this table, I'm going to show you, of a new version of mindfulness, like mindfulness 2.0, that's different from the old construct because we don't face the same challenges in daily life that we did 2,500 years ago when mindfulness emerged in ancient Eastern and Buddhist philosophy. So just it's so fascinating. And you know, I love that kind of stuff where I'm like, it doesn't work. Um, I'm a a little bit shocked right now because I feel like, yeah, we haven't really, all the mindfulness practices that we've been taught, I feel like are all stemming from the same few sources and we haven't updated it. So do you want to just maybe read a couple of on this chart of what he says, mindfulness version one and mindfulness version two? Sure. Um, So this is the very first one. The tenet is insight. Mindfulness version one is focused on ancient philosophy. Mindfulness version two is focused on science. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, tenet number five is attitude. Mindfulness version one is non-judgmental. Mindfulness version two is grateful and compassionate. Mm-hmm. Uh, tenet number seven, anchor. Mindfulness version one, empty the mind, anchor it, and breath. We hear this all the time. Mindfulness version two Fill the mind with courage, hope, and inspiration. Wow. It's a different way and a different construct of thinking about it because our brains and what we experience on a daily just you know, morning is so different from what it was 2,500 years ago. That's We're inundated right. with so much more information. Yeah. Because the way the brain works, and I won't spend a lot of time on this, but we the way that our brain works, we are absolutely caught in a loop of, of focusing on the negative. It is how our brain works. Oh yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nobody's doing anything wrong. Yeah. Our so amygdala this, is working beautifully. Yes. That's happening. So this idea of, well, you just need to empty your brain. You just need to have a different thought. What, what we're asking mm. you to do is change the way that your brain has evolved. Yeah. <laughs> Tall order. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Resilience. So, he's, so that was a uh, uh, stress and mindfulness. And then the last component resilience is the core strength you use the core to lift the load of life Core. bend with your knees. Resilience is doing well when you shouldn't be doing well, right? Like bouncing back from or withstanding adversity. Oh, interesting. And that's what it prepares you to engage with what is and what might be. 
That's doing the windshield. Doing well when you shouldn't be doing well. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting way of framing that. It is. And I don't think it's like thriving, but I think it's like surviving. Does that make sense? Yeah. And maybe for sometimes all thriving. You, for all that's been thrown at you, yes. you are still hanging in. Yeah. So that's kind of the baseline. Or talk about the smart approach. So <laughs> page 23, the smart approach. My biggest complaint about this book is that the man also love an acronym. He love an acronym and he loves not citing things. And so acronyms will pop up out of nowhere. And I'm like, what is a, what is a rum moment? What is a, what is a sump? What, what is this? What is a sump, Lisa? I don't want to talk about it. Super <laughs> unfortunate, melancholy predicament. I mean, kind of close, actually. I'm in a sump slump. <laughs> Basically, the framework is this. The three core constructs of the SMART program, Mm -hmm. there's a big circle. The biggest one, it says attitude. Mm -hmm. Nested in that is a smaller circle that says attention. Mm -hmm. And nested within that is a smaller circle that says awareness. That's exactly right. So you start with awareness. That's... uh, insider understanding of how the brain operates and okay. how it functions based on evolution, how it's lacking in these capabilities for our current, our current oh, about technological the brain itself. Yes. Okay. About our current technological advances. He states that our brain's instinctive operation depletes resilience and increases stress every day. Okay. The big vulnerabilities on that are focus, fatigue, and fear. Mm. Um, and I'll read a little bit about that. So weakness, we're learning about the brain and we're focusing on um, focus, fatigue, and fear. Here we go. Focus is our brain spends a bulk of the day with wandering attention. Yeah. And since wandering attention correlates with negative emotions, lack of productivity, and multiple medical and psychological conditions, where's the evidence? I'm just trusting him. Decreasing the time in the default mode is likely to improve our health. There are two modes in the brain, focus and default. Yep. Default is the state of the passive mind. Like when you drive home and you get there and you don't know how you got there. Yeah. Default mode network. We've talked about this in, in previous episodes. That's right. And the yep. focus mode is directed attention either because it's intrinsically interesting or you choose to invest your focus. Mm. So that's focus. Fatigue. We know that just like any other organ, the brain gets fatigued. Research shows, can I again a citation? Our brain gets tired <laughs> after 60 to 90 minutes of sustained effort, to which I said... <laughs> I wish I could have 60 to 90 minutes of non-brain fatigue. That, that feels like pre-pandemic levels. And also, if you want a citation, uh, I'll, I'll add a citation. Thinking Fast and Slow. Yes. By Daniel Kahneman. Nice recall. Thank you. You know, that's behavioral economics and Still. neuroscience. They talk a lot about brain fatigue and focus. And did you know, if you have a snack... You can, you just like immediately replenish, near immediately replenish your brain's glucose stores and it can do more work. What if the snack is just lard? Yeah, that's not going to work as well as like a chocolate chip cookie, but yeah, (laughs) that's great. Um, Thank you for giving me the citation I needed. You're welcome. Am I an MD now? Yes. Uh, Fear is the third. Focus, fatigue, and fear um, is what our brain struggles with. And our attention... Our brain is designed to prioritize noticing threats to our physical, emotional, social, and financial well-being. Mm. So this combination of distracted focus, brain fatigue, and an instinctive attention to fear generates and perpetuates stress. I mean, it sounds exhausting. I mean, it really is. I've never experienced anything like that. Right. So that's, thank you. So that's the awareness of learning that the brain 
functions this way. You're not doing Helpful. anything wrong. Right. Helpful. It's not that you just can't empty your mind. Right. This is how you're hardwired. Right. Then you move on to attention or engagement. In our default mode of the brain, we let chance algorithms mm-hmm. determine what gets into our sensory system. And we typically discount the good and inflate the bad. That's what, that's how we've survived. So trained attention is a desirable alternative that gives you the option to choose what enters your conscious experience by practicing intentional attention, at least for yeah. a few moments a day. Yeah. Right. And finally we move on to attitude or mindset. This is a set of beliefs we carry, which are dependent on our thoughts. So the five principles to help guide the thoughts are gratitude, compassion, acceptance, meaning, and forgiveness. Mm. All right. So that's kind of the big, that's the approach, right? We have these tenants and you start with learning how the brain works, um, engaging it in a different way, and then carrying a different belief about it to kind of help. Yeah. Does that make sense? Does he talk about exactly how to do those things? Yes. Um, And I'll cover two of those modules. He does say SMART has shown positive results for several outcomes, resilience, stress, quality of life, mindfulness, anxiety, happiness, gratitude, life satisfaction, and burnout in about two dozen clinical trials. And those are mentioned in the appendix of the book. Those are cited. Okay, great. So each module of the four has insights, which is awareness, practices, attention, and attitude. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how, like, how attainable are these practices? Very. Like, is this going to take like a ton of time every no, day? No, they're designed intentionally to fit in the world that we have right now, Great. which is mindfulness 2.0. Great. Right. Um, he suggests that these are reflexive. So that your insights prepare you for the practices and the practices help you get deeper insights. Great. So it's all kind of constructed to help our brain in that sense. Like a positive feedback loop. Yes. Great. So module one, gratitude. Gratitude. I see what you mean when you say I say that things. Gratitude. Also known as gratitude. Gratitude. Okay. So do not sound like that. Gratitude. I'm on page 35. Brag. And um, (laughs) he is basically our brain focuses. Uh, or seesaws every day between focused and um, default mode. Mm-hmm. It goes from being interested in something and then relaxing, right? Does yeah. that make sense? And it's called default mode network because that is the state your brain is in. It if takes, you are not actively. Because it takes less energy and our brain is a cognitive miser. That's right. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's what you often find yourself in when you're like, waiting in the checkout line at a store, mm-hmm. your mind starts to wander. That's default mode network. That's right. Focus mode is exciting. He's like, that's when your brain goes, ooh, aha, wow. Oh the brain likes this. It's when something unusual happens, something exciting, something pleasant, immersive experiences, playing with your kids or your pets, reading a great mm-hmm. story, a physical activity. Mm-hmm. And he gives this great image. In the middle of bungee jumping, you're not thinking, did I return that one email? Like you are not, No. <laughs> you are focused on the thing that you're doing. Conversely, any ouch or yuck moments also put us into focus mode, right? Mm-hmm. If you step on a broken bottle, you're immediately focused on that. Right. You're not thinking, did I return that email? Right. So these types of things pull you out of your head and into noticing the world. We enjoy noticing, particularly deep noticing, he says. We don't as, as much enjoy thinking. <laughs> the brain dreads getting bored. So projects that get us focused are interesting or they mean a lot to us. And that's how yeah. they can we can sustain that focus. Well, this is also why we love travel, yes, right? Because absolutely everything, new. even if you are like in a very 
similar setup to what you have in everyday life. Like say you're staying in a different country and a block away is a coffee shop. Same as what you have at home block away as a coffee shop, but just the fact that things are in a different language and that you know you're in a different country and that the trees are slightly different, it just makes everything right. vivid. Yeah. Your amygdala is like, this is different. This is different. This is different. Yeah. But also your brain is like, this is exciting. This is cool. Yeah. So people who are entertaining and who make us feel great about ourselves also put us into focus mode. I really appreciate that you gestured at me. Oh, I was talking about Daisy when you and said, chicken. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Default mode is mind wandering. When you've reread a paragraph a couple times in a book and you're realizing oh, you're not yeah. paying attention at all, you're driving home, you don't remember, you're eating familiar food. You're just kind of not thinking about the Your food. Your brain like checks out. Kind of. I mean, like yeah. when you try a new dish, you're really paying attention to it. Yeah, that's right. When you're eating a piece of toast while you're checking your email, you're not really paying attention to it. That's right. But hot tip, you have to be in default mode at like a yes. good percentage you of the time. You cannot be in focus mode. Well, in default mode, that's when your brain actually sorts through all the stimuli that's right. that you receive that day. And that's if right. you, have you ever been trying to do like, like back when you were in college, cramming for a test. Not familiar. And you just, and Lisa had a flawless educational experience. Is <laughs> not said enough that Lisa has two master's degrees. Well, I just don't put my diploma up on the wall. That's why. I think I'm lumping my, I'm like, oh yeah, between the two of us, there's two master's degrees. It's true. Yeah. We'll just leave it there. Yep. But anyway, you have to be in development network because if you're not enough, your brain will force you to do that. Yeah. That's when you're trying to push through on a deadline. Energy. Yeah. yeah. I noted here that he's really good at examples and explaining, even if his brain drawings are terrible. <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to read a portion here on page 39. As you said, anytime we're doing something that isn't novel, interesting, consequential, or entertaining, pretty much every repetitive protocol-driven activity we get into default. Yeah. And how can you predict you'll be in default? He says a good thumb rule, a good rule of thumb is when you are doing something you don't feel like doing, particularly if you have lots to think about. Mm. So I clean when I should be writing. <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes deep yeah. sense. And so My house is never as clean or organized as when I have a giant other task to do. I clean my vacuum when I am on deadline to prevent myself from actually working on the thing. Okay. So he says, really here's resonates. what makes this worse. When it comes to changing or growing with use, our nerve cells aren't any more intelligent than our muscles. Okay. When you train a specific network of the brain with repeated use, the brain makes that network stronger. Experts call this neuroplasticity, the ability of our brain to rewire itself with experience. Mm -hmm. Unlike car tires that wear out with use, brain networks become stronger with use. Yeah. Do you see a problem with this design? Well, what we're focusing on is what we're going to be great at. So if our brains are constantly focusing on the negative and the fear and the fatigue, that's what's going to be. Yes. Right? The more your mind wanders, the stronger your mind wandering apparatus is. Uh-oh. The stronger your mind wandering apparatus is, the more your mind wanders. I'm sorry, what, can you repeat that? My mind was wondering. Thank you. <laughs> it's a positive <laughs> feedback loop, like you, yeah. were, you were mentioning. The more right. we struggle to get out, the deeper we get stranded. Oh, boy. Yeah. So he's going to give us some, some ways to kind of give ourselves some focused moments throughout the day. Great. And 
the world changes faster than our brains can keep up. Right. Yep. He goes on to make a claim that being in default mode is a health risk, which I don't. Wait, what? That goes against well all the other things I've. But I feel like maybe not a choice to be. Do you know what I mean? Like a lot, yeah. if you're just constantly in default mode, I think that's what he's referring to. Sure. And by the way, my understanding of default mode network came from Dr. Matthew Paul Walker's book. Humble brag. That's right. uh, Why We Sleep. Yes. Which we have an episode on. And he has just got the most like gorgeous, buttery sort of soothing British voices like, why we sleep. Here's your brain. This is your brain on drugs. Do I sound like David Bowie? Yes. From Labyrinth. Okay. So the rest of this brain 101 that he's giving us the background is super interesting about fear, fatigue, their effects on the brain and the body, even if it's lacking citations (laughs) and make some large leaps to the community and worldwide effects of my one brain in default mode. But the goal, according to Dr. Sood, is to practice and work so that your brain is resilient. Mm. And so I'm going to cover the first core practice in SMART, gratitude. Okay. So each module has a core practice that relates to that. Mm -hmm. So this is core practice number one. First thing in the morning, think about five people in your life who mean a lot to you and send them your silent gratitude. Um, He says, I urge you to think about your trillion dollar net worth first thing in the morning because you are valuable to so many people and not other more trivial matters. Do not leave the bed until you've remembered five people in your life that you are grateful for and send them your silent gratitude. Hmm. He's saying your trillion net worth because you are worth a lot to some people and those right. people are worth a lot to others, et cetera. Yeah, really now you might ask, why just people? He says, why not focus on breath? Be grateful for health or success or a warm home. Hmm. Good question. And certainly those aspects will be fine. In developing this exercise, he noticed that yeah, he could do that for a few weeks and then it got boring. Interesting. But he the then, people don't get boring? Well, that's the thing because there's an infinite number and, and we'll talk about that. He says, I tried focusing on relaxing my physical body and then started noticing the room, dwelled on success and health, but found that each of these practices became dull very quickly. Hmm. And because you want your mind in focused mode for these few moments to really help our brain be resilient and manage stress mm-hmm. and have mindful presence... You got to be in focus mode. And so anything that becomes routine or is tough. So is the idea that you are thinking of five different people every day? Yes. So um, he says by practicing with people never faded the interest for him. So that's, well, that's for him. I, I would just say like, I do a morning gratitude practice as well. Yeah. And for me, number one, it's really early to wake up. I'm going to use a couple phrases here to see what resonates with other people, but wake up before the world is formed, Mm -hmm. wake up before your mind is awake, Mm -hmm. right? Wake up before anyone needs anything from you. So the early morning Mm -hmm. part is really important. Mm -hmm. But the idea is to write down 10 gratitudes and include the word because Mm -hmm. in those phrases. Mm -hmm. And most of the time I end up doing three to five. Mm -hmm. I don't always have time for full 10. The because. Mm -hmm. It grounds it. And the different, it grounds it in something different every time. Mm -hmm. And by the way, on the days that I am struggling to find gratitude, because I don't always have it. Sometimes I'm like, I am grateful for the bed that I am sitting in right now Mm -hmm. because it lets me rest, Mm -hmm. you know, but I I just want to offer that it doesn't have to be just the people and it doesn't mean it's going to be boring. His intention is just to get you in the present moment for a few moments at the start of your day in a focused mode to develop your uh, stress management, resilience, and mindfulness presence. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Here's a paragraph I'm just going to read right here. He says, the intention is not to be rigid. If you already have a contemplative or spiritual practice, such as prayer first thing in the morning, then you could do the gratitude practice in the shower if you prefer. Also, it's not just for morning. You can repeat the practice later in the day. No matter how busy your day, practice sending silent gratitude to a few people in your life before you fold the day, like before you put it to bed. I love that. Here are a few additional ideas to help deepen and sustain the practice. If you worry about the people you are sending silent gratitude to, then assume that by sending them gratitude, you've protected them for the week. Oh, that's beautiful. Isn't it? He says, if you have a family of eight, you don't have to stop at five and feel bad the rest of the day. (laughs) (laughs) Pets are welcome. They are a family. As your practice deepens, you can also invite someone you want to have a good relationship with, but are currently struggling. Mm-hmm. Consider including someone from work on your list. Mm-hmm. If you can't think of five people, be creative. Perhaps you can be grateful for all the ladies who came to your mother's baby shower before you were burned. Burn. Before, before you were burned burn and you were a wee lad. You can think about your physician or your nurse, the teachers who taught them. If it seems far stretched, limit to the smaller number with whom you feel comfortable, right? Mm. He says the only known side effect of this practice is you might fall back asleep. So set up a backup alarm. <laughs> He did say that. Can confirm. Can confirm. Um, And so he wants you to build, he wants to do a week of just this. And then when you try the next module, you'll add that kind of habit habit stacking onto Mm. those. So we're strengthening our attention by focusing it on gratitude. Developing strong attention is the first and most important step towards sculpting a resilient brain. Mm. You can do this at work. You can um, include your work colleagues. You can focus on gratitude before a meeting. One of the best ways to prepare for a meeting is to remind yourself why you are grateful for the person you're going to meet. Hmm. You can feel grateful for the privilege of having a job, all of these things. Now we're moving on to mindful presence. Okay. This is the last module I'm going to cover. So the intro to this module was not nearly as exciting or brain focused at the first, but I really liked this core practice. So this is how he's helping us achieve mindfulness 2.0. So I'm reading on page uh, 94 because I read that high. Okay. (laughs) This core practice is called the two minute rule. It's pretty straightforward. Give two minutes of undivided attention to at least one person every day who deserves that attention, but isn't presently getting it. Oh, (laughs) right. That's really. So the way the human brain (laughs) operates novelty beats love all the time. It's the novelty that gets our attention. And he gives this example. You're at dinner with your partner, you're celebrating, you know, an anniversary or even just you're connecting a person you haven't seen from high school walks up. Who is getting your attention? The person from high school. Oh my God. It's so great to see you. There's nothing wrong. It's the novelty. Your brain is designed to look at the new and the different. Oh, goodness. Does that make sense? So this is training your brain by giving yourself two minutes. Now, I love this so much. So here's the two-minute rule at home. Practice, right? Wait, are we practicing? We're practicing- Two minutes a day. Of to Is the purpose to be better able to not focus on the novelty? I think it's it's building on the gratitude Uh and it's building up that focused attention. Yeah. And it's doing it- You've unlocked the gratitude and you'll see how he does it. I can stay mindfully present with you by f- unlocking my gratitude rather, right? Okay. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And with the intention of, I'm not going to get distracted. So here's how it looks like uh, for him at home. 
Meet your loved ones for the first two minutes at the end of each day as if you haven't seen them for 30 days. In essence, mm -hmm, if if you're watching, you see that she's going to cry. In essence, find novelty where love is. And here's how he does it. At the, this is what he says on page 97. At the end of the workday, when I start traveling back home, I pay more attention to the world around me to get out of my default mode. Hmm. Sometimes I keep a theme. Like I will notice the reds more that day, or I will see what flowers are in bloom, right? In the garage, I check my emails. Next, I tell myself, quote, I'm going to meet someone very special or some very special people that I haven't seen in a long time. And then he says, with this intention, he goes inside and tries to notice novelty. And the first 30 seconds are critical. He says over 75% of the connection happens in the first 30 seconds. So here are two key parts to his practice when he comes in. One, look at the color of their eyes. Within the first 30 seconds of arriving home, notice the color of your loved one's eyes. By the way, Lisa has the most stunningly blue eyes. What? (laughs) What? I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) He says, do this only for two seconds. Otherwise you'll freak them out. But you're focusing on noticing their eyes. will make sure you come in their physical proximity, face them and engage. Right. And then number two, remind them that you care about them. I care about you. That's creepy. You looked for longer than two seconds. (laughs) I I care care about about you. you. Um, That's going to be what we do now for here now. (laughs) So when you meet someone after a gap of eight hours, they have no way to predict your mood. Will you be happy or annoyed or sad or reactive? And they spend considerable emotional energy engaging who they are meeting. Best to remove that guesswork by reminding them you care about them as much or more than the last time you saw them. So he says, if I'm not in a good mood, because of course I don't arrive home every day uh, being cheerful, spreading the negativity won't help. That's right. So he says, Block your negativity at your level if you can. Listen, it's not always possible. At your level. Right. So he says, remind myself of gratitude, remembering the reasons I'm grateful to the people. Um, Narrow my presence to this day. Sometimes it helps to remember this is the day that I have, right? Right. The past is gone. The future isn't here yet. The the present is the gift. Easier said than done. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, something that I learned in a voice class actually was about because you always want to be authentic in how you're feeling, but like you're saying, not mm-hmm. not spreading negativity. Mm-hmm. It can help to just acknowledge, like, I am worried and down yeah. and frustrated. Oh, 100%. And just acknowledging that can sometimes soften it and being like, and I'm grateful for X, Y, Z. I'm grateful for the safe space that I have. I'm about to experience. Right. And so like, if I were in a mood like that, frustrated, down, worried, and came home to you Mm -hmm. and wanted to bring that, I wouldn't try to put a veneer over it and be like, Hey, and that's how I'm not spreading it. I just might be like, Hey, (laughs) I've had a hard I've had a hard, bad day. Yeah. I'm so glad I'm here yeah. now. So that I, and maybe he says that in the book, but just like inviting in this idea that you can be authentic in what you're feeling yes. and not spread it. hundred percent. Yeah. And again, I think this is the framework of somebody who's 
trying this on. Well, exactly. Well, that's why I'm inviting this in yeah. so that you don't feel like you have to change out of that mood. Yeah. You can yeah. incorporate and transcend. I love that. Um, another tool he uses is uh, reminding himself of the personal golden rule. I am enough. I have enough. Mm. That's a nice thing to say to yourself. And he reminds himself of transience. Like he says, I remind myself that I have 1200 days left before my teenager's off to college. Even with my second grader, I have 3,500 days left before she's off to college. Yeah. I don't stew on this fact, but let it inspire me to stay in the present moment. And today right. is what I have, right? right. Um, and then he says, and this you're going to love, he says, when you're the host, when you're not the person coming in, but you're the host yeah. welcoming them in, um, he says, when I hear the garage do- door open, I drop everything and meet my family right at the garage door. I used to greet them earlier with my head buried in the computer, but now I close the screen and welcome them with a full presence. Oh, man. Yeah. So if I'm in the middle of taking a timed test. Or a poop. Or a poop. <laughs> Thank you. I want you to stop everything. And I hear your car pull in. I need to. Shuffle out with your pants around your ankles. Lisa, just <laughs> uh, unwashed arms, unwashed hands, ready to greet you. I love that. He says, even a simple thing is giving a glass of water to someone who's coming home, which mm-hmm. is something you taught me, or taking their bag or coat can help them feel welcome yeah. and change the flavor of the evening. I am not nearly as good at that as you are. You are fantastic at that. Thank you. I'm doing, I'm just keeping my head above water. I can't do it for someone else, Misty. Save That's yourself. Right. Put well, your own Oscar Gen Max on before you turn on another one. Well, I drank a glass of water before I poured yours. So yes, Great. and, I love but it. that was that hot tip I was taught in couples therapy back in the day. I know. And it's, it's funny because it seems so small, but being on the receiving end of, I come home and there's just a glass of ice water there for me. It just makes me feel so cared about and thought of. Yeah. Tiny gesture. Yeah. So he says, the first 30 seconds are the most important. Handle those first few moments of meeting someone with as much positive healing energy as you can bring. Oh. When you can, right? Sometimes you can't. He says, let them associate with oxytocin and endorphins, not adrenaline and steroids. Mm. We're kind of training them too. Um, And then he says, there's a trap. The first two minutes you meet your loved ones, do not try to improve anyone at that time. Okay. He says, you will have opportunities for improvement later, but resist that urge in the first two minutes. Once they start trusting you won't be an emotional predator, every time you meet them, the oxytocin bond can develop. An emotional predator. Right? So it's like, well, because you come home and you're like, hey, I'm so glad you're here. You did not clean up after yourself. And I really need you to do that. Oh, that's what you mean by improving them. Mm -hmm. Not like, oh, you had a bad day. Mm -mm. Oh, no, no, no. It's going to be okay. Be patient and trust that your positivity and good intentions are ultimately infectious because mm. sometimes you can see this brain is like, what's he up to? Why are there so many drawings of brains? The goal is not to shock and awe them. Mm-hmm. That's it. Now mm-hmm. at work mm-hmm. with your manager, yep. um, the most natural approach is to genuinely like other people. Yeah, Faking that feeling will yeah. fatigue your facial muscles and your mind, he says. Minimize judgments in the first few minutes of meeting anyone. This I am bad at. Because I am in self-protect mode. Also saying minimize judgments, our our brains are literally evolved to assess. Yes. And, and in judge. default mode, we're kind of in this like yeah. passive protection. Um, but he said in those two minutes, help them feel worthy of mm. the first time meeting someone. Assume every person you've ever met and will be meeting struggles with self-worth. Yeah. No one struggles with being appreciated too much. 
<laughs> and we anchor our self-worth in the domains where we are performing the worst. We tend to do that, right? I'm not oh. a good um, student. So therefore... I'm not a good person. Whoa. Right? I never realized that. So he says, just assume the person in front of you has struggles more than you know or can think of. And it's difficult to dislike someone you know likes you. So if you form that connection at work, it really helps feel like uh, you can sustain it. That's right. That's where I'm going to stop it. Um, the two, the first two modules, we had a nice healthy discussion in there, Amazing. but I'm yeah. curious, Misty, hit me, hit me. Okay. So what, how many modules are there? Four. Gratitude, mindful presence, kindness, and resilient mindset. Okay. So for a week you do the gratitude, mm -hmm. then a week you do gratitude and the mindful presence. Mm -hmm. So he's just kind of stacking these. And so you're not okay. trying them all at once. And then there's another core practice for kindness and another one for resilient mindset. Cool. And is the idea that you do this practice indefinitely or that you I think so. kind of build up the skills and take a break and like bring it in whenever I think you need it's it? inevitable that you don't do it every day because things happen. You wake up violently throwing up, right? Or you wake up and your child is, you know, sick. Mm -hmm. So but I think his whole purpose isn't to his whole purpose is creating things that you can do quickly and easily yep. and that don't get boring yeah. that help give you that resilient mindset that help give yeah. you the ability to get into focus mode easier yeah. and give your brain that, that That's awesome. thing and break that loop. Yeah. And I, I do imagine that it is easier, like say you do a round of this and then life gets busy. Mm -hmm. I do imagine that it is easier to re-up like if you're doing it for a second time yeah. or you're, after you've taken a break you're coming into this yeah 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 cool. and, and I, I think it's for him a lifelong approach because some of the other modules it's like pick up one good habit and yeah. maybe drop one that yeah. you don't like right so yeah it is a whole like a holistic approach in that sense yeah but I think it's really accessible for people who have no patience, no experience, and like don't understand how I'm just supposed to sit cross-legged and and not think of anything for an hour. Right. So to that end, is this useful for someone more practiced? Or is this only for beginners? I think it is a it's a different way. I think it's a nice opportunity for mm -hmm. someone who's more practiced. I think it's a nice science-backed opportunity mm -hmm. for someone who's been um, steeped in mindfulness 1.0 mm -hmm. to acknowledge that you intake more data before breakfast that people did 2,500 years ago. Like all day. All day. Wow. So our brain cannot, it can't evolve that fast. Yeah. And so we have to now work with what we know about the brain and listen, yeah. brain science, who knows in 10 years, he might be like, this is all wrong. Yeah. Right. It's actually little trolls that live in our brain and yeah. carry things. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. That could totally be. Interesting. Yeah. That could totally be. That could totally be. Or, you know, fractal elves for those who have studied DMT. Thank you. You. Thank you. Uh, what, if anything, do you feel like this book got wrong? The brain uh, drawings. <laughs> the brain drawings. Not the yeah, brain as a concept. <laughs> the brain drawings are just, they're distracting. It makes it feel. It's maybe it's, it's a clip artist. And maybe it is. And maybe that's helpful for people who are not used to thinking about their brain in a way like we are right? Like a tool, like an organ that you can train. Mm -hmm. um, it might, maybe it is, maybe it's, it's a nice accessible way. But um, for me, I yeah. was like, I don't need this. Well, listen, speaking of the brain, the, this fact blows my mind every time, every time the brain is the only organ to have ever named itself. We don't know that. We don't know that the kidney doesn't call itself something because we don't have access to our kidney. You are being 
too inclusive here. <laughs> there is a line and you have crossed it. We don't know that the brain names itself the brain. That's right. We named the brain. That's right. Am I Eckhart Tolle in this moment? You I are the, the awareness that is, is aware. naming of naming the brain. That you are an awareness of being aware of yes. an awareness. Yes. Lisa, How the tables have turned. Oh, Eckhart, come on the podcast. Oh, God. I would die. I would die of embarrassment because I I've would, said nothing but terrible things. <laughs> I would ascend. I like Eckhart Tolle. I like you Eckhart would Tolle. rise and I would just go straight to hell. Yeah. You know, we should revisit our episode uh, entitled The Tolle of Self-Help. Yes. Because it that was a banger. That was a banger. That was the first time and we realized banging, I mean, that maybe- I was banging my head on the table. That's it. That's right. That was the first time we realized that maybe we'd gotten ourselves in over our heads with a self-help podcast. Indeed. That's right. Well, we'll just leave it right there. Thank you. If you have thoughts on this or have tried this or want to offer a different perspective, please please write to us. Go help yourself podcast at gmail.com. Lisa's the mean one. I'm the nice one. That's right. You'll know if you get a nice reply back that it was from me. (laughs) Uh, And also, please don't miss out on our newsletter. Sign up at gohelpyourself.co. And with that, life life is a bondant. Go Help Yourself was produced by Lisa Linky and Misty Stinnett. Original music by Matt Sav. Video filming by Connor Linneruth. What? If you want to get in touch with us, head over to gohelpyourself.co or email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye.